0: Welcome to Heart Health Radio with Board Certified Cardiologist and Internal Medicine Specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Heart Health Radio, Heart Health Radio, oh, 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 hearthealthradio.com Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor.
1: And this is Heart Health Radio. You can get better, stay healthy, and spot medical misinformation just by listening to this program. Dr. Franklin Weefald is here. Hello, sir. How are you doing?
2: I am good today. It's uh, been a long week. I don't know about you, but it seems like the weeks go by quicker and quicker. You know, it's like a Monday, and then all of a sudden I turn around, it's a Friday. But this last week just took forever. Yeah. And I can't quite figure out why. Have you had the weeks like that where you you wonder why Friday hasn't come yet?
1: Uh, You know, I joke to people in the elevator out of the building, you know, on a Friday. I say, wow, is it Friday already? Gosh. (laughs) Because so many people do have that extended feeling of like five Six, seven, eight days in the week.
2: Let me ask you a question. A lot of countries, uh, the Scandinavian countries especially, are going to four-day work weeks. They're going to four 10-hour days. Sure. I'm not so sure that's a good thing, but then again, how can I say that's a bad thing? But I used to just do four clinic days, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then Friday was paperwork days. But I've got so many patients now that I really can't do it, so I tried to have a half day on Friday. Right And what happens to that day?
1: It gets eaten up, doesn't it? Well, yeah, it?
2: people call on a Friday more than they call on a Monday yeah. to get seen. Yeah. And now I'm working all the way through. So it's five, 10-hour days. But that doesn't include Sunday right? where I have to do all the paperwork that I didn't do so I could concentrate on patient care.
1: And we talk about work. We never include Saturdays. Yeah, in
2: that. That's true. This is not work. This is not work. It's absolutely not work.
1: <laughs> Listen, we'll take your phone calls nine one nine eight six zero nine seven eight three. Tick borne disease. That is A new know, one. Uh, well, this is a new well, one. Well, it's
2: a new one that we've recognized. And I I'm going to tell you right now I don't know much about it because I haven't had a chance to research it. But in Georgia They are now experiencing something called heartland virus. And Mm. I never thought of Georgia as the heartland.
1: No, 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 no.
2: You know, a bunch of dark clay, well, red clay and stuff. The heartland is Iowa, Indiana, Illinois. But they call it the heartland virus.
1: The tick that the disease comes from is from something called the Lone Star Tick.
2: So I Which guess is Texas. yeah, Texas, yeah. yeah. But it's it's getting to the point where it's becoming a problem and um, low-grade fevers, muscle aches, diarrhea, things like that, headaches, and you know what do we associate that with? It sounds like COVID, <laughs> right? It sounds like a lot of other things, but <clears throat> luckily it doesn't appear to be a serious illness in the sense of a lot of mortality. Right. But if you're in Georgia. And maybe it's going to spread this far. Um, If you have a tick bite, that's another thing to worry about, you know. know, It's interesting, though. Everybody gets these large tick bites, you know, these huge ticks. You know, you look at them on your dog. You can see them. Do you know the tick for Lyme is the size of a pinhead? So most of the people who get Lyme don't even know they had a tick bite. Sure. So if you know that you've had a tick bite because you've seen this tick on you. Yeah. Probably not the tick that causes Lyme. And probably you don't have to worry about getting Lyme if you get a tick bite.
1: Oh, I see. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So this is a big tick, apparently. Okay. And it's new. So maybe we'll hear more about this as time goes by.
1: Statins. Uh, You keep talking about statins like. They're so good for you. They
2: are. They're wonderful.
1: And they have done a study and discovered that statins seem to protect people from Parkinson's right. syndromes. Y- if but we
2: add the list, yeah. if we add that to the list, it's Alzheimer's, Yeah. it's Crohn's disease, mm. it's rheumatoid arthritis, it's COVID, COVID. Okay. and obviously stroke and heart attack, and you know, we've talked before about the i word and if there is anything that i would want patients and listeners to get away get from this show is that the enemy of health is inflammation and that's the the number one thing that ties us all together our immune system saves our lives save our lives right but the immune system can also take it away and inflammation is One of the keys to all of these illnesses and one of the things that I want to pound into people's heads about statins is that they don't just lower your cholesterol. In fact, that may not be the most important thing. They are anti-inflammatory drugs. If you measure all those things in your blood that tell you how much inflammation you have, the statins lower them. And um, I just wish that some of the other health radio programs hadn't taken the anti-statin you know uh, point of view for mm-hmm. so long mm-hmm. because i find it very difficult to convince people that statins aren't a primary cause of bad outcomes and that they are the primary cause of good outcomes it's very hard because people are so convinced that statins are bad
1: chris is on the line from Eden.
2: that was quick how you doing chris
1: Good, what's going on? To
3: tell S-I-T-T-L on Google, and there was a was in of forced marriage with their captors in a trafficking ring.
1: Chris, you're going way too fast for us. Tell us what you want to talk about.
2: Chris. It might have been a bad connection.
1: Well, sounds like it. All right. Well, Chris, call us back. Um, statins can throw off your stomach. A- am I right? Well, it...
2: I found that to be less of a problem. It is. Barely. Okay. Yeah. Nausea, sometimes stomach discomfort. Yeah, sure. It can happen with a statin. Um, and muscle aches, I can tell you right now, if you think that you're going to get muscle aches because Auntie Sue yeah. or Cousin Jim told you statins are going to kill you and you're going to take one and your muscles will die, you're going to get <laughs> muscle aches. And I, um, we've talked about the nocebo trial in statins. Yeah. Okay, I don't know how they got away with this. I mean, the What did they do? Well, I mean, think about the the concept of giving somebody a drug and lying to them about what it is, and that's how they did the study. So the ethics committee somewhere must have approved this. So here's the <laughs> sam- here's what they did. They gave thousands of people a placebo. Yeah. Yet they told them it was a statin. Well, sure. Then they gave thousands of people a statin and told them it was a placebo. Really? And so many more of the patients who got a placebo and were told they were getting a statin came back and said, I can't take this. My muscles ache. I'm just, (laughs) you know, I'm terrible. And only 0.5% of the people who got the statin and were told it was a placebo. Right muscle legs. And the power of suggestion with statins is yeah. so high. I can remember, you know, when I was driving to uh, long distance to Boston from Indiana, and I'd mm-hmm. be searching for these, you know, these uh, talk shows. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Every medical thing from, you know, the pharmacists and from the, you know, the um, non-physician health people. Right, we're telling you, oh, no, you don't want to take a statin. It'll kill you. You want to you want to eat juniper berries. Uh, you want to eat flower petals. Yeah. You know, and, and so if there's one lesson I can give people out there is that I would say there are very few miracle drugs that have come out in the last 30 years of my medical career. Yeah. And numero uno on that list are statins. There's just no doubt about it. No bow to doubt it we've we've talked about the fact
1: that that you um take turmeric yeah to, to there reduce are so inflammation. many
2: wonderful things that reduce inflammation and right. turmeric is one of them so I had I'm gonna give you my own example um when I found out I had some cholesterol buildup, my C-reactive protein which is a measure of how much inflammation is in your body it's the it's the 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 side effect of your immune cells going around, trying to repair things and fight things off. And mine came down with the statin. It came down from six to seven, which is pretty high. It came down to three and that's pretty good. I mean, it came down a lot, cut it in half. When I started taking turmeric and ginger Mm -hmm. and milk thistle and started exercising a little bit more, started on my baby aspirin once a day. Yeah. It's less than 0.1. Okay. So, you know, you could say it's not a randomized trial in my own body. I didn't randomize myself, you know, but it did. And there's been lots of randomized uh, studies. And so when I talk about reducing inflammation, I'm not saying only chemicals can do it. There are all sorts of things. Um, I think exercise Mm -hmm. is right up there. Um, and, And in fact the study we talked about earlier uh, before the show started. If you had exercised uh, moderately, and I'm talking about 30 minutes of walking or light jogging, exercising, Mm -hmm. cardiovascular where you don't cause injuries because injuries are huge sources of inflammation. So they looked, and in Scandinavia, if they, they went back and looked at people who got COVID and who got hospitalized and who died... You had a 35% lower risk of being hospitalized if you just walked, Mm. you know, 30 minutes, five times a week, moderate to, you know, low exercise. Right. And why is that reduced the amounts of inflammation? And clearly the people who got real sick from COVID were the ones who mounted an inflammatory response that was above and beyond what your body needed to fight the virus off by itself. That's what, that's what's so unique about the virus, about Mm COVID-19 is that it, caused a tremendous inflammatory response in certain unlucky individuals based on their genetics. And when that happened, the lungs filled up with fluid, right. the brain got inflamed, the heart got inflamed, and that was the bad thing. So if you can do things out there, listeners, to mm-hmm. reduce your amount of inflammation, there is a chance, it's not guaranteed, that you're not going to suffer, or if you do suffer, it's not going to be as bad. From a lot of illnesses that are caused by inflammation or worsened by inflammation, Alzheimer's, um, Crohn's disease, and then Parkinson's disease, where this all conversation all started, right. and they found that people who took statin had a lower risk—not a zero risk, but a, a lower, a substantially lower risk of developing Parkinson's disease. Now. We don't know what causes Parkinson's disease. Right. I can tell you right now if you want to know the medical terminology, it's the destruction of the substantia nigra in your brain. No kidding. Now what is that? That's a little no substantia nigra. What does that mean? That means a small part of your brain that is dark colored, nearly black. And it okay. produces and helps to regulate dopamine. And dopamine is what is the problem. It's missing. It's very low. Uh, it's in very low levels in people with Parkinson's. So now we have a clue that it's an inflammatory condition. And maybe they can use that clue to work on other things that will um, either help prevent or treat Parkinson's disease. Have you ever seen anybody with Parkinson's disease? I haven't, no. The, the mild form is you have tremor. Right. It's a resting tremor. And they call it a pill roll. Have you ever taken a pill and rolled it in your fingers? Yeah. Yeah. So it's a pill rolling tremor. And so sometimes it looks like you're rolling a pill in your hands. Yeah. And your hands shake. And you can have what's called titubation, where your head bobs up and down. Oh, my goodness. And then um, you have trouble walking. And then dementia can progress where, you know, you lose your memory and things like that. And... One of the things that I deal with a lot as a cardiologist is the drop in blood pressure, orthostatic hypotension, yeah. where you try to stand up and you fall immediately because your blood pressure just drops when you right. stand up. Right. So Parkinson's is a multi-organ um, problem. And hopefully uh, with anti-inflammatory things, we can reduce the severity. Maybe. I okay. don't know. But the things that I recommend, and don't take a statin unless your doctor tells you to or prescribes it, because in you know less than, but about less than 1%, you can have side effects. I have had patients who had severe side effects. One is called rhabdomyolysis, where your muscles start to just deteriorate, mm-hmm. and it's a terrible side effect, and you have to watch out for it. So you have to take a statin under physician uh, guidance. But get out of your mind that they're bad for you. They're really good for you.
1: All right. Coming up, alcohol and drugs. We have, during this period of COVID, the, the shutdowns, really, the the, the the isolation, we have increased the amount of drugs and alcohol. It's been Not terrible. Not you and I, but as a society. Right. And it's taken a toll. That's coming up in just a little bit. Also taking a toll. Pollen, holy mackerel, could we get some relief from pollen? That's coming up on Heart Health Radio, FM 98.5, AM 680, WPTF. Listen to Heart Health Radio on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at hearthealthradio.com. And in North Carolina, in 2020, we had more than 3,300 people die of Overdoses.
2: That's forty percent higher than the year before, and we don't 40%. know the stats. We so, don't know the news. So if stats. we had ten, you know, last yeah. year, the year before, I mean, 2019, we had fourteen. That's a large amount. I mean, and and what does this tell us? It tells that social isolation is bad, right? And I don't know if you heard Fauci the other day. He finally got back on a on a. On <laughs> uh, Nationwide Broadcast. And he says, we better be ready to uh, induce those restrictions again. Really? And it ain't happening, Tony. No. Tony, it ain't happening. No. Because uh, if you look at red state, green state. Yeah. I mean, green, red state, blue state. Yeah. Okay. And I keep forgetting that red is Republican. Red right? is the Republican. Why right. wouldn't they name the Democrats red? I mean, red for communism, No, no, right? no, no.
1: This but is anyway. from the,
2: the maps on election night. But the point I'm trying to make yeah. is red should be Democrat. Okay. <laughs> it should be. Okay. okay. All right. All but anyway, right. so if you look at the... Republican states versus the Democratic states. Yes. Okay. And, and the vast majority of the tightest restrictions and mobility and socialization during COVID were in the Democratic states.
4: Uh-huh. The right.
2: red states were criticized. You're killing people by letting them walk outside, blah, 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 blah. The red states had a lower rate of death and hospitalization than the blue states did. Now, okay. there may be other reasons for that. If you look at New York, which is a classic blue state, those people were living on top of each other. They got hit hard first. Yes, uh, We didn't know how to treat it uh, initially. We treated it wrongly initially. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, maybe that's a, a thing for it. But if you look at Scandinavia, if you look at Taiwan, they didn't shut down. Right. They didn't close the whole country and make people... Hide out, right, and work from home. Uh, they did the right thing, which is to isolate the vulnerable. Right. Okay. So if you have, uh, if you're elderly um, in a nursing home, they unfortunately, and I think it was the right thing, had to isolate them. Now, what did they do in New York? Yeah. They took people who had COVID and were still infectious and put them in nursing homes, exposing them to the most vulnerable elderly, sick people we had. So. What happens? You mm-hmm. get stuck at home. Yeah, that's right. You got nothing else to do., yep. and if you already have a propensity for uh, alcohol use above and beyond or drug use, then it's going to obviously be a an opportunity to overdo it. right. And so I think this is something that we weren't told which is we want to spare the lives of those who might get COVID, but we have to spare the lives of other people too. And suicides were markedly elevated, and I think this was the first study to really show how great the elevations were in overdoses. Forty percent more.
1: That's amazing. And
2: it's just terrible. I mean, just terrible. 3,300 North Carolinians died of overdoses.
1: In 2020, yeah, and we don't know about 2021 because they probably haven't. We have
2: We don't have the data. Finished yet. counting. Yet, you right? know, we might have the data. as Rose Hoban? Let's see.
1: All right, Rose is coming up on the show 12:30, yeah. uh, or after the 12:30 news. Um, let's see, how close are we to stopping the aging process?
2: I think that Elon Musk is getting um, some airwave play, yeah, because he's gonna, you know. Stop aging. And I think who else is that? Bezos is going to do the same thing. Yeah. Um, we're living longer, no matter what everybody tells you about how horrible life is in America. Yeah. We are living longer. Now, the reason why our life expectancy dropped in sure. the last two years yeah, number one, from COVID, and number two, from overdoses and murder. Right. Um, and the life expectancy is not. Applied to the individual. It is a group thing. Sure. So you look at the average, you know, uh, time of death for everybody. And, you know, when you have 20-year-olds who die young of murder or drug overdoses, mm-hmm. it lowers the overall life expectancy in the country. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean that it lowers your life expectancy. It, it doesn't. Okay. And I can tell you right now, I when I started this, 75 was old when i started practicing 35 years ago yeah 75 you were old yeah i mean that was old oh yeah now i got people in their 90s who go bowling every day right and and you just can't ignore that observational um aspect of it i didn't see 75 year olds on a normal basis in my practice because they weren't around. right. Now um, I saw uh, 30 people Thursday, and I counted. Yeah. and 15 were above the age of 80. Wow, okay? half. And they're doing great. Now are there people who were in their 90s and 80s who are, you know debilitated? Yes, sure. that is the case. But um, we're living longer. And can we reverse the aging process? I think it's going to get that way. I think one of the things that we're seeing now is the benefits of medicines and exercise and improved diets. Mm-hmm. But can we find that biological process and reverse it? Well, they're doing it in animals. I mean, they're yeah. finding these little protein things and tweaking them. And, you know, one of the things I to warn you is What's that? one of the biggest areas of aging studies is in nematodes. And those okay. are worms. Those are worms. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. so you can make a worm live, you know, instead of three weeks, you can make a worm live 12 weeks.
1: Oh, thank goodness.
2: But. Yes. There are obviously um, uh, biological processes in worms that are identical to us, believe it or not. The really? The DNA, the genes. I mean, 99.9% of the genes of a chimpanzee Uh are the genes of us. And it's that 0.1% that makes us unique. Sure. Well, in nematodes, there are processes that lead to cell death. And, you know, their DNA, their DNA transcription, you know, making proteins, it's basically the same as ours. Those fundamental things are the same. So if you go back, maybe there's a fundamental thing that we can find from nematodes and apply it to us. Okay.
1: You can get better, stay healthy, and spot medical misinformation by calling this show, 919-860-9783. This is Heart Health Radio on the Heart Health Radio Network.
0: Welcome to Heart Health with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Call us with your health questions at 919-860-9783.
1: Get better, stay healthy, and spot medical misinformation by listening to Heart Health Radio. And Rose Hoban joins us from North Carolina Health News. How you doing, Rose? Good, Dave. How are you? I want to tell everybody that the NorthCarolinaHealthNews.org website has undergone a, an explosion of quality and quantity. I mean, you guys have revamped it. It looks so good and and there's you know I can tell that there are things coming in from different or other organizations and a lot of new voices on the website. So I want to encourage people to go there. Um, there is a um, there is a story about more death in um, in our correctional facilities. And I'm like, yeah. is this really gonna is this gonna tie back to COVID?
4: No no
5: no 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 this- 2020. Um, oh. Well, there's a there's a little bit of a COVID connection in that um, you know it, it was interesting. You know, once you start writing about prison stuff, you end up hearing from the families of these folks who are concerned about their loved ones, right? Who are frustrated that their loved ones are in jail, right? You know, because right. like, they're not happy that they did stupid things. Um, and, but they, you know, they don't want them to die there, right? <laughs> so we've had, we've just been flooded. And one of the things that we heard, particularly during Omicron, but we've been hearing all along is that, you know, will that the, they, the prisoners weren't getting enough masks. There wasn't enough space for social distancing. They right. were, it was kind of slow to get them vaccinated. There was a lot of worry. Um, I mean, the good news is that uh, most of the prison population are younger, so they were less likely to die. That being said, I think there were something like 55 deaths among the North Carolina prison population, which puts it at a very high rate, higher than the general population. Um, And most of those people were older inmates. But what has happened uh, is in 2020, they found that there, were, there was a record high number of suicide, deaths by suicide right. in the prison system, which is, and that was even in a year where the state had made a commitment to, uh, you know, having, and this is not in the prison system. We have to sort of separate things out. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm conflating it too, right? The jails are county-based. Sure. There's 85 of them in the state. They're run by sheriffs. And the prison system is a state function. So in the jails, there was a record number of um, people who died by suicide. Right. And that was even though there were new regulations requiring jails to have suicide prevention programs. So, you know, the, the carceral system, you know, the incarceration system was really... I mean, again, we'll have people comment and say, well, you know, they shouldn't have done a crime, but it was a tough place to live through a pandemic. Right. And so the question is, like, was it the stress of the pandemic on top of the stress of being in jail? Was it that there are so many people who end up in jail because they have substance use problems and they are going through withdrawal without Assistance. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to know. It's really hard to know.
1: Kind of another story. And, you know, I only mildly am interested in this because I don't live in the Asheville area, but there's, you've got a story about. Mission Hospital.
2: Oh, I was just reading this. I've got yeah. your website I'm pulled sure up. Y-
5: I knew you'd be interested, uh, Doctor I am. I
2: I'm just astonished. Um, it, and get me uh, t- correct me if I'm Hospital Corporation of America took them over some time ago. Is that right?
5: Yes, they took over in the beginning of twenty twenty late twenty late twenty nineteen early twenty twenty. Yeah. And you know. And
2: now all these doctors are quitting, huh?
5: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're leaving. They're like, you know, peeling their practices off. They're taking their, you know, their primary care practices and setting them up. And they're going down the street to uh, uh, Blue Ridge Hospital and uh-huh. uh, Party Hospital, and um, you know, going over. You know, uh, UNC Healthcare runs one of those places. You know, so like they're kind of taking their their toys and going someplace else. Sure. And, um, you know, and there's there's been um, unhappiness. About uh, about the fact that you know there's there's this there's this sense that the hospital now that it's for profit rather than not for profit, um, you know that the, the the eye is really towards bottom line. Now you and I know, Doctor Weeble, that mm-hmm. a lot of the not for profits act like for profits, right? Like they oh, I think uh, know,
2: the studies have right? shown that nonprofits make more money than profits. <laughs> I'm serious.
5: But, well, well, but the flip side of it is that, you know, theoretically, some of the not-for-profits, you're supposed to roll some of that back into, like, theoretically, right? You're sure. You're supposed to roll some of that money back into the operations, whereas a for-profit, that comes out as profit. It goes to shareholders. And, um, you know, HCA has had uh, a number of issues around the country. They've had to pay large federal fines for, um, you know, a number of different problems that they've had. Sure. Um, and, and so I think there's a lot of folks, there's a lot of uh, frustrated doctors up in the Western part of the state who are feeling like they've closed primary care practices. They've, you know, they're sort of really hyper-focused on throughput in their oncology practice. So, um, so there's there's just been uh, a, a lot of, uh, and then of course the the, the nurses admission. I mean, we published this is all from a a, a website that's out in Asheville
4: right. that does
5: investigative work, the Asheville Watchdog, and they've tracked what's happened with the nurses in Asheville. the The nurses they're unionized. They voted to unionize, and uh, for the first time. Right. And that was because they saw their number of patients that they were required to take care of in a given shift go up. They saw, you know, people would be people would call in sick and they wouldn't get replaced. And so right. the, the nurses have been very unhappy and they've been very vocal. And as you know, Dr. Weffield, you know, you really judge the quality of a of a healthcare system on the quality of their nursing workforce. Yes. Because they're the largest workforce. Yep. And you you can have great doctors, but if you don't have great nurses, you're really in trouble.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, one of the interesting things that I read in the article was that uh, one of the physicians who left said, "Look, this hospital used to be run by doctors and nurses, and now it's run Mm -hmm. by bureaucrats and businessmen." (laughs) And I think you know you can have for-profit situations that are really great, but I think you know what it sounds like, and I can't say for sure is that you know you can't just focus on profits and if you, you mm-hmm. get especially yep. in a healthcare system and one right, of the things right. that HCA is supposed to stand for is a huge system that can you know buffer itself against initial losses in financial situations to build for the future and it mm-hmm. it sounds like they're not doing that it sounds like they're trying to mm-hmm. cut a profit in turning around a hospital situation too quickly and if you try well, to do that, early, you're going to have a mess.
5: Yeah, and an earlier article from the Asheville Watchdog that we republished um, is uh, it showed that there are documents that show that the uh, Attorney General's Office, you know, he did a review and he forced them to kind of make some changes to their contracts and makes them and make some promises. But you know, there's only so much he was actually empowered to do. Um, yeah. and what they what the Asheville Watchdog did was they requested documents from the AG's office and the AG's the documents reflected that they had great concerns about how HDA was selected by the prior management of right. Mission Hospital, including the CEO who got a, a multi million dollar payout from H D A. Right. Well,
1: listen, Thank Rose. We so. we've got a we've got a roll, but uh, I want everybody to go to NorthCarolinaHealthNews dot org and enjoy the website. Thank you, Rose.
2: Take care,
5: Thank you guys. We'll talk to you next week. God Thank bless you. You. you take care. Take care.
1: Scientists
2: take care. say that is. So oh, I hate that term.
5: <laughs> scientists. Whatever say... you hear,
2: scientists say. <laughs> take a big deep breath and say, "Gosh."
1: You know what I like is when the, when the, somebody comes out with something like. Researchers say you ought to wash your hands. Yeah. Thank goodness for research. Yeah, thank yes. goodness for research. Scientists explain why wearing shoes inside is just plain gross.
2: Well, I I've got a website. response to that. Yeah. Come, Come on. on. Okay. Um, I'll never forget the reaction I got from people, you know, who listened to the show, who yeah. were in the station when I said let your kids play in the dirt. Yes, yes. And why is that? Because when they're young, their immune systems are forming and you want to get the immune system to recognize all sorts of foreign invaders sure. and kill them. Uh-huh. And therefore, when you're older and you hit some sort of foreign invader, you've probably seen it before and you kill it. Listen, your house is filthy. No matter how much you <laughs> scrub it, no matter what you spray, if you took a bacterial culture off right. of your counter, right. Right, right, it's right. going to be teeming with bacteria. Guess what? What's that? It's supposed to. We're supposed to be exposed to germs. We're exposed, uh, supposed to be exposed to all sorts of viruses and bacteria constantly. Right. And that's what keeps our immune system Healthy. Now, if you're a bubble boy or a bubble girl, that's one thing. You don't have an immune system. Right. You have to live in a bubble because any pathogen might just kill you. Right. But now the scientists are saying we've cultured the bacteria off of your shoes. And, oh, my God, it's got this bacteria. Yes. And that Guess what? What? It's everywhere. I bet okay? it's always had that It's stuff. We've always had that. Right. And I would actually say this. Wear your shoes in your house if you feel like it. Yeah. But see, for me, I take my shoes off, not because I'm worried. I mean, I've got a dog, for yeah. God's sake. I've yeah. had several dogs. What are you going to do? Are you going to sterilize the paws on your dog when it comes in the house? Nope. And so, you know, if you're like just sitting around looking for ways to minimize the amount of bacteria that and viruses that come into your house... Forget about it.
1: It can't be done. Have we done ourselves? Open the door.
2: Open the door and the bacteria are flooding in. And it should be that way. When we were really early
1: in the COVID thing. Yeah. And we were sanitizing our hands multiple times a day and wiping down surfaces. And guess what? What?
2: Didn't work. It didn't work. Because it was airborne. Right. And, you know, the masks didn't work in this sense of completely shielding us from getting the virus. And I can tell you right now, the virus evolved. It wasn't as transmissible with Alpha and Delta. But when we got to Omicron, people were still wearing masks. They were still, you know, washing. And I think this heads to a, and we all got it. Um, I think it heads, though, to what's happening in Hong Kong and China. Right. Is that they isolate it. They didn't have the random number of people who got it and had no uh, symptoms. So what's happening now It's flooding the country. Uh, Taiwan, I mean, never did anything like what the mainland Chinese people did mm-hmm. in terms of zero tolerance for COVID. Same thing happened in, in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. And so what's happened now is Omicron is just is just spreading like wildfire. In those places, even more so than it did here. Right. And you know, natural immunity is good. Yeah. And the problem is, we haven't really been able to determine who is at higher risk for getting serious, you know, um, illnesses from COVID. Although we have hints. You know, if you're sick to begin with, um, or if you're old, if you're obese, if you have, you know, cancer, then you have a higher likelihood of getting it. Right. But. Let your kids play in the dirt. If they wear their shoes in the house, don't freak out, you know, and don't put booties on your dogs and then take them out, take them off before you let the dog in the house. We're, we're, we should be exposed to germs. And if you're not exposed to germs, you're not going to be healthy. Um, You know, uh, for example, uh, there was a group of people who were exposed to salmonella. And salmonella is terrible. I mean, it gives you the runs. It makes you sick. Yeah. But there are a large number of people in that group who didn't get it or who had a very mild illness. Yeah. And that's the point I'm trying to make. Their immune systems were better in terms of sorting out the illness and, and extinguishing the bacteria. And it comes from exposure. So it just kills me when okay. the scientists say, take your shoes off. It's just nuts.
1: Coffee is apparently good for you again. Again. I'm trying to keep track. Coffee bad, coffee, coffee good. Coffee good, coffee bad. The Although latest... I will
2: say this. Yeah. In my experience and looking at these coffee stories, yeah. I would say the vast majority now are coming out that they're good.
1: Yeah, coffee yeah. good. Okay, Coffee's good. Right. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Also, a shout out of a doctor you've heard on this radio program who did some traveling to practically the war zone. That's coming up next on Heart Health Radio. This is Heart Health Radio. You can listen to us on Apple, uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify and at hearthealthradio.com. And your buddy, Dr. Pa- yeah. Dr. Pavlo Notrebko. Just did some traveling.
2: He's a hero. Uh, Pavlo fa- uh, is from the Ukraine. Pavlo Notrebko He's the electrophysiologist at Weight Med, uh who works with Kerry uh, And um, we had dinner about two weeks ago, um, which was about one or two weeks into the current war in the Ukraine. Right. And, and, you know, he said, look, they're in the central part of his family still lives there, his uh, aunts and uncles and um, other uh, primary relatives. And they still lived in central Ukraine. And he felt, you know, look, we're monitoring the situation, but it looks like it's in the, in the east and near Kiev. Mm-hmm. So they were just, you know, monitoring the situation. And I got a, a text message from him saying he was on his way and he left, uh, suddenly went to Poland, got across the border wow. into central Ukraine and got his family to Poland. Wow. And it was a uh, experience that, um, I don't know, uh, how I would do, uh, but he's a brave man, got his family to Poland. He's back in town, um, back working as a cardiologist. And I just can't imagine, you know, the the terror that would go through my mind right. worrying about whether my family's going to be killed in a useless right. war um, that is, uh, I think, an affront to all mankind. Right. Um, but they're safe. And we're happy with that And um, I'm just amazed that he was able to get there and get them out so quickly. That's good. It's fantastic. Congratulations to Pablo and his family. And uh, let's pray for everybody in this situation who's at risk.
1: So there's this crazy story where a group of American, like an organization of doctors, is cutting Uh out communication with Russian doctors.
2: It's craziness.
1: What what is the organization there, oncologists? There are
2: are, several oncology organizations, several cardiology organizations that are basically sanctioning their Russian uh, colleagues and basically kicking them out of the thing, out of the the group. And, you know, I I can't understand this. Um, I can see where, you know, we try to uh, affect how the Russian government is conducting things on a political and economic level. But when you look at oncology and, you know, what I do, cardiology, it is apolitical and it must be apolitical. We're about the health of people throughout the world. And to cut off a cardiologist from your organization because he or she is Russian, um, I think is just the wrong thing to do. And it makes no sense. And it it puts us at the level of politicians, which um, has nothing oh, yeah, to we, do. We don't want to be at that level. We don't want to be at that level. Now, politics does impact what we do by the rules and regulations that they put in. Um, yes, that is true. But the day to day care of cardiologists and oncologists has nothing to do with the politics that happen to be. What their country is uh, about. Right. So let's not get carried away with the sanction business. It's it just doesn't make sense. Right. To expand it to the medical field.
1: Did we learn anything important about coffee? I didn't pick yeah, up that story. didn't There's something. I didn't read it. There's
2: something in coffee. Uh, these phenols that um, seem to at least in the lab um, help people with cardiovascular illnesses by yeah. reducing the amount, again, of inflammation. But, you know, they really haven't done the studies that need to be done. If you really wanna say drinking two to three cups of coffee a day will keep you alive longer from right. fewer heart attacks. And that would be a very hard study to do. You have to take tens of thousands of people oh, yeah. and give half coffee and half fake coffee. No, I don't no, know how no, you no. do that. No, I'm not doing I don't that. know how you do that. but. If you look back, and that's what they're doing now, they're doing these look back studies and they're yeah. saying, okay, if you've had a heart attack, how many cups of coffee did you drink over your lifetime? Versus, hey, you're the same age and the same gender and yeah. the same you know, number of other medical conditions. How much coffee did you drink and you didn't have a heart attack? Right. And it seems like the data is coming on the side of two to three cups of coffee a day seems to lower your risk of having a heart attack. And so, yeah, what can I say? Um, But don't don't go whole hog. It's like everything else, okay? You want to do it in moderation. And I think that the key take-home from all of this is that when I grew up, In medicine, coffee was bad for you. Coffee had caffeine. Yeah. You know, it had all these other chemicals that people didn't like, and don't drink coffee and everything. And now we're coming back and maybe swinging over too far to the other side. I guess what I would say is a cup of coffee a day is not associated, at least now, with bad health. Okay. And maybe two. Uh, But I tell you, don't drink more than three. Or four, um, especially if you have, say, palpitations or your heart skips a beat. Right. Because caffeine will uh, make that worse. Uh, but, you know, the other thing is if you're drinking five or six cups of coffee a day and you yeah. get scared of it, don't quit suddenly. Really? Caffeine is terrible. Have you ever had it? <laughs> yes, I have. Yeah. So, what's the number one thing? A headache. Yep. And so, anesthesiologists at times have been known to slip a little caffeine into your infusion. Yeah really? really? yeah. If you get you know, if you if you walk into the OR uh intake region and you tell the intake person, be it a nurse or a technician that you drink ten cups of coffee yes. a day. Well, if you've had surgery in the morning that lasted, you know, six six hours a complex surgery. Right. And you know, you were NPO. If you ever wonder if there's nothing per os, os is your mouth. Oh my. Yeah, NPO means okay. nothing per os. Yeah. Nada. I had that. Well, then yeah. you're going to have uh, caffeine uh, withdrawal syndrome, and you can give intravenous caffeine. So just put a little caffeine in you. I should And you have wake asked. up without a headache. I yeah. should did have. Did you asked. wake up with a headache? Yes, I did wake yeah. up without it. And See, that this is, is a of caffeine withdrawal.
1: Nothing by mouth after 12 midnight. Right. Because the anesthesiologist didn't want me to you know, well, aspirate. You,
2: that's a bad right. thing. You puke and it gets in your it's a ph- bad day. pharynx and it goes in your lungs that can be fatal that's how right. my mom died oh my yeah she had alzheimers and you know they weren't supposed to rush the food right and i i don't know what happened but she aspirated and uh, that's what killed her
1: but uh, I, yeah i had no coffee that day and it, w- it wasn't a wonderful day anyway yeah. cuz they operated on my eye and stuff yeah. like that you know yeah. but uh there's
2: mud in your eye
1: it was yeah uh, it was no fun It'd be yeah,
2: fun. but anyway, so um, yeah, coffee. Yeah, all right. Yeah, let let me just say another thing yeah. about the way I get my caffeine. Okay, is through Five Hour Energy. Yeah, and I can't tell you the number of people when I hold this thing up and I'm about to douse it down, who go, "Stop! That'll kill you!" And I can't believe you're a cardiologist and you drink a Five Hour Energy. Yeah, I'm gonna tell you this. The amount of caffeine in a five-hour energy is equivalent to a, the amount of caffeine in a large cup of coffee. That's all there is to it. Yeah. And so I prefer to get my caffeine in a quick hit.
6: Mm-hmm. You know these
2: these little tiny bottles, and I found one that tastes that <laughs> tastes like my favorite drink, the fuzzy navel. Oh my! <laughs> anyway, gosh. it tastes good. It's got yeah. mango in it or stuff like that. Douse it down and I'm there. What I can't stand about coffee, I like it. I like the taste of coffee, but yeah. it, it's too hot in the beginning. Yeah. And so it's oh it's burning me. I put it down. And then the next time I go to get it, it's too cold. And yeah. so you can't chug it. You can't get it in there, okay? But you know when when you've heard these things about energy drinks, it's about how many. So don't drink 20 cups of coffee a day. Don't drink 20 energy drinks a okay. day. Okay. That's all there is to it.
1: All right, that's fine. We'll talk more about your health on this program. The Heart Health Radio Network.
0: Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Heart Health Radio, Heart Health Radio, oh, 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 hearthealthradio.com radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor.
1: This is Heart Health Radio and for whatever reason, we have noticed time and time again that we get more phone calls in the second hour. Don't know why. It's all right. Well, go I ahead think, and,
2: I think people like to listen Yeah. And, you know and well, then, let's, and then ask your
1: questions. 919-860-9783. Is our number, call right now, 919-860-9783. Pollen, I'm noticing even yeah. I get stuffed up. And I, honestly, I have no allergies at all. You know, when when you ask somebody... Well, no, somebody, wait a
2: minute. You think you have I no allergies. I think I
1: have no allergies. Right. No no history of allergies. I,
2: I think that what I'd like to do is talk about allergies and health And how the allergies that you have, you may just sort of say, ah, I'm sniffling. You know, I'm sneezing. It's actually a bad thing. Really? It's a bad thing to have allergies. And in in one sense, people think that you may have a stronger immune system because some of the cells that are associated with leading to allergies also kill cancer cells, okay? Oh, okay. Yeah. So... um, yeah, let's talk about how to manage your allergies in the springtime and how it can improve your overall health. And I think that's a good thing.
1: All right. All right, we'll talk talk this hour about it. Nurse anesthetists want to be called something else?
2: Yeah, yeah, they want to be called nurse anesthesiologists. And, a, and, and I a, think I got a problem with that. And and, I think a lot of physicians have a problem with the name changes. For example... PAs, Physician Assistants, right. they want to now call themselves Assistant Physicians. And I want to put an end to that uh, concept, and I I think uh, we can explain why.
1: Ologist has the tendency to go along with the words like cardiologist. Ologist. It, it's, a, it's a doctor. Right. And And yet, somebody else is going to use that. They're going to confuse yeah, people. And, and I honestly don't know... Who I see, whether it's a PA or a physician's assistant or an uh-huh. assistant for the physician.
2: Yeah. And and I think that what you wanna be wary of and you know is it is it part of it that hey, I went to school for fifteen years. Yes, yes. And that is they wouldn't let me use the term physician until Yep. Um I did all this. Right. And so now someone's gonna say they did two years here and a year there, and they're gonna make people think that they're really physicians. And I hate to say it, there is a big difference between what a physician can, can do and mm-hmm. is expected to do mm-hmm. than a physician assistant. I'm not saying physicians assistants aren't helpful. Right. But they're not doctors. They're well, not physicians.
1: I don't mind telling I don't mind telling you that I you know I had an opportunity to go back to school to get a PhD in education. And I decided no, I wasn't going to do it because I wasn't going to do that to other doctors. Right. To be a doctor, Doctor Alexander, that would be scary. Yeah. Um, Rodney and Raleigh, welcome. How you doing, Rodney? What's going on?
7: I'm doing great things. So you were talking about coffee, and it It made me have a question. If you have an opinion about diet soft drinks, I'm I'm diabetic. Sure. But. My endocrinologist tells me not to drink diet soft drinks. Right. Did, did they tell you they not to drink them? I'm on an extremely low-carb yeah. diet. So, you have an opinion about that. I do.
2: And it's, it's going to be against what your endocrinologist says. So, um, but I can't treat you over the phone, so I'm going to tell you right now to follow what your endocrinologist says right. because he or she is your doctor. But you're asking my opinion... And my opinion is, uh, I'd rather my patient uh, drink a diet drink than to drink a sugar drink. And um, basically, is water better for you? Sure, it is. Okay. But life is more than just, you know, worrying all the time and drinking water. Um, Diet drinks are good in the sense that. You can enjoy things with your friends. You can have a diet coke. Yep. You know, you can sit around. For a lot of people, uh, diet cokes tastes good. Okay, I hate them. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it is. I grew up with as a sugar aholic and so I have to have my little eight ounce bottle of coke mm-hmm. and drink it right from the bottle, ice cold. If I'm going to drink a diet coke, I got to put lemon juice in it to take away that aspartame type thing. Hmm. But they're doing a lot of research now, and I don't think the research is at the level where you can really say that artificial sweeteners are bad for you in the sense that if you're diabetic, they're not going to help your health. Obviously, you must have been somebody who took a Coca-Cola, a regular one, and measured their blood sugar, and it went sky high. And you drank a Diet Coke, yeah, and mean, it, I, did, it didn't go I've sky high. I've never drinking the
7: sugared ones. I've always just yeah. drank that one. Yeah. Yeah. I love my endocrinologist. I was on loads of insulin and sure. all these meds, and she got me on extreme low carb. And I'm off all those meds. That's good. Controlling my sugars, but yeah. I sure miss my
4: diet coke. Yeah.
1: All right, let me bring up one because Rodney did mention that he's got a lo- he's got a long history. I've got a long history of, with diabetes, and now I've run into uh, chronic kidney disease because of my long history with diabetes. And they have told me to stay away from the dark sodas. Right.
2: And I'm going to tell you right now, I I think it's because the quote-unquote dark sodas have some extra ingredients like more phosphorus and things like that. Yeah. Now, let's just be honest. Hmm. The observational studies are looking backwards, and these are all observational studies that diabetics who drink diet sodas versus diabetics who don't drink diet sodas tend to have a better outcome. Um, But is that due to other factors? And so many of these observational studies that we've seen, when you do the science correctly, they don't really pan out, okay? So if you have a choice between a diet soda and a regular soda. And if you're diabetic, then just go ahead and have a diet soda. That's what I would tell my patients. Right. Um, I think this is a big controversy that needs to be settled because um, man does or woman does not live by water alone. <laughs> and no. I can tell you right now, I drink eight or nine glasses of water a day. Yeah, good for yeah. you. I am constantly taking a pee break. Um, <laughs> but I also drink two Cokes a day. Yeah. And I'm telling you, I got to make a decision about happiness versus worrying about ruining my life with Coca-Cola. And I'm telling you, I'm coming down on the side of two Cokes a day and (laughs) nine (laughs) glasses of water a day. Okay, that's how I look at it.
4: Good luck to you, Rodney. Yeah,
2: and if there's more information that we have that's based on real science, we'll let you know.
1: Thank Thank you, Rodney. Love you, show. All right, take care. Bobby in Durham. Welcome to the program. How you doing, Bobby? I'm doing well. Good. What's up?
7: Uh, first and foremost, uh, I'd like to thank thanks for the information that uh, the doctor exposes on the show. Yeah. Uh, I am, let, let me confess, I'm guilty of one of those who was statin.
2: Okay. Um, yeah, it's okay. Listen, listen, I'm not criticizing you. Um, I, I think everybody's opinion should be heard, and I would never think badly of you if you were anti-statin uh
7: I, you you've changed my mind the benefits outweigh the things that I thought were adverse
2: okay thats good that's
7: uh great. I've got a question dr weball i i was on the, the turmeric and uh the ginger i had i was taking the ginger root and making ginger tea yeah uh since listening to you uh a month ago i started to add uh the milk thistle okay great uh is there anything available um, naturally that will help with rheumatoid arthritis and the, the stiffness that from the arthritis?
2: Yeah. So you have you have rheumatoid arthritis, is that right?
7: Uh, my knees are uh, um, killing me. Uh, they don't hurt. It's just the stiffness. The I stiffness. Mean, occasionally they, hurt, they hurt. But then I sit down and uh, getting up. Uh, it takes me a little bit. I used to laugh with my mom. Now I get up the same way. Yeah. Okay. And I, I can hear, hear the, the knees like click, 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 click until okay. I get up right.
2: So have you been actually diagnosed with it? You know, there's a blood test that shows you have this thing called the rheumatoid factor. Uh, no. Okay. So before we get into this, um, there are many types of arthritis. And, and a lot of people talk about, you know, rheumatism. Mm-hmm. Okay, Rheumatism is just a common term that we use for people with, you know, painful joints, inflammation of the joints. Rheumatoid arthritis is a very specific type of arthritis in that you, it's an autoimmune disease. Your antibodies, your immune cells are attacking the cartilage in your own body. So we know now that there are multiple great medications to prevent that attack. And you need to be on those if you have rheumatoid arthritis. And I can tell you why, because they've been shown to prevent the destruction of your joints. Now, if you have simple arthritis, which we call degenerative arthritis, and I I call it simple, please don't be offended, because it's very painful. Um, But that's just the term we've actually used, because it's not a complex thing like an autoimmune disease. But there are lots of things that you can take, and they, they generally are anti-inflammatory things over the counter. And we've talked about them before, but there's one that has just come out. Hmm. And that is pomegranate juice and cranberry juice. And the reason is they have a lot of antioxidants, number one, but they also have things that are called polyphenols that help to reduce the amount of inflammation. And guess what? Hmm. They can't hurt you. So when I talk about the things that are quote unquote natural, I don't, I don't, I mean, I recommend them because they work um, and they've been studied in in scientific studies, but I also recommend them because they can't hurt you. Okay. So I take um, all sorts of supplements for my inflammation, which I've talked about, but um, I'm going to start looking for more. Uh, that are natural com- natural compounds. Now, are they the be all and end all? What I don't like is when people say, "Hey, cranberry juice um, can reduce your risk of heart attack." I think it probably can because uh, it's been shown to reduce inflammation. But should you substitute cranberry juice for a statin? And no, I would no. say no. Um, so um, you, you are you're not going to go wrong in taking turmeric, milk thistle, and ginger. And you're not gonna go wrong by taking a cranberry juice supplement if you want to. Now, here's the thing that I think people should look into, and that is fruits and vegetables, okay? Because yep. they are natural oxi- antioxidants. Now, I'm you know, i in a hurry all the time, you know? And I gotta qu- get a quick meal, because I gotta go home. W- yeah. Where can you get some broccoli on the run? It's hard. <laughs> it's, it's hard, it's very do. hard, yes. So, I am not paid by this company. I want to let you know this. I am not a spokesperson for this. But if you watch certain radio, uh, if you listen to certain radio programs, if you watch certain TV shows, you'll hear about balance of nature. Yes. Now, I am going to tell you, this is good stuff. Okay. And what it is, is pure fruits and vegetables. Pure. I mean, there's nothing added in it. And what they do is they, it's I wouldn't say freeze dried, they just freeze it and remove the water. And vegetables are 90% water. Well, that, w-
1: that would be freeze dried.
2: Well, yeah, but they don't dry it, they, oh. they vacuum out the water. Okay. Okay. So it basically, they put little capsules. Okay. And. Um, I'd like to see some scientific studies. They're not the only company that makes these products. Right. But if you want to get your broccoli and your spinach and your, you know, good stuff that grandma said yes. that is good for you. Okay, it is. And it reduces inflammation. You can get these compounds in Balance of Nature or other types of vegetable and fruit capsules. Okay. So that's the other thing that I do. And I tell you what, ain't nobody going to tell me that broccoli's bad for you, okay? It's no, just it's not. good.
1: It's very good. The Bobby, uh, you know, he's he's given you an option there. I will tell you right now that I actually buy broccoli, and you know what I do? I wash it, and then I dip it in stuff, and I eat it. Dip it in what? I dip it in, like, uh, uh,
2: onion dip. Ranch dressing. Ranch, it's ranch dressing.
1: It's good stuff, Bobby.
2: You want to know that ranch dressing is not bad for you? Everybody thinks it is. It's not.
1: The only problem I find from, from broccoli is that and just ca- occasionally my body gas smells like broccoli, which is a bad thing when you're walking down, you know, the hallway.
7: And anyway, listen, we got to go. All right. Let me one. one, one other sure. Uh, yeah, you, yeah. Balance of nature supplements. Uh, is that superior to juicing?
1: Is it what? superior to juices? Uh,
2: I don't think he's going to endorse. I do Let me tell you why it's superior for me. Um, I just like taking pills. <laughs> and And so, you know, for me, Um, I never sip things. Do you sip things? I got to get it in me, okay? So if I'm going to drink orange juice, um, I got to chug it. The nice thing about these little (laughs) capsules is that, seriously, it's all there. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And all – I mean, you know, you can look at those capsules and see a chunk of broccoli, some carrots, you know, and it's – you just – You just swallow them. You know? I don't, I don't, and I can't tell you it's any better than that. But I'm just saying if you're like me and you like taking pills because you get it out of the way, that's the best way to go. Bobby,
1: thank you. They haven't
2: given me a cent, they haven't given me a dime. I wish they would. Wish
1: they would. Wish they would. We gotta we gotta get a superfood. That's what we gotta go now
0: back to heart health. Have a question for Dr. Weefald. Call 919-860-9783. All nine seven
1: eight three. All right, here's the thing. We're gonna take everything that's in a salad and we're gonna freeze dry it into a bar.
2: Well you okay? know it's interesting. We're gonna you call remember it, the Flintstones.
1: We're gonna call it Soylent Greens. <laughs>
2: remember the Flintstones? Yeah. Yeah, uh the great kazoo. Yeah. And I'll never forget one episode where he <laughs> handed Fred yes. a little pill. Yes. And said, you know, in the future, now you don't need, <laughs> you just take these little pills. I never forget Fred, well, let me try it. <laughs> he ate it and he says, Oh man, I'm stuffed. <laughs> <laughs> so whenever I uh, whenever I eat these things, yes. these little pills, I think of Fred. And I said, No, nope, yeah. I'm not stuffed.
1: I'm not stuffed. Charles in Raleigh, welcome to the program. How you doing?
3: I'm all right. How are you all today? Good. We're Terrific. Good. What's up? So I have a, I'll, I'll touch base on the allergy thing. I am, as long as I can remember, have had allergies and um, went to do some testing one time. And the the older nurse that was doing the testing about halfway through said, do you mind if I go and get my colleagues? And <laughs> so I was having like the the perfect reactions to all of the, all, all of the antigen she was putting in.
1: So, you were you yeah. were the ideal yeah. candidate,
4: huh?
3: She she wanted to show her. Uh, she had a, a person that had been working about two weeks and uh, a nurse that was new, and she said, I, I would like to show her what's going on. Was, <laughs> was this
2: the skin patch thing? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. This was on your back?
3: Oh, well, they started on my arm, and they just did the... Uh, they did the major groups first and then I went back and had more, uh, more testing done after that. Right. Uh, but yeah, it was mostly, they were able to get it all on my arms.
1: What are you, what are you doing to help you through this now?
3: Well, and and I do have another question about, about something else as well. Sure. uh, Go ahead. So, uh, so I did allergy shots and honestly, I think I got a little relief from that, um, I'm not currently doing that anymore. What I find that helps me is I I will take like a Claritin or something like that regularly. Okay. And if I Have breakthrough from that. I take one Benadryl. Okay. And right. if I, as long as I'm doing something, the one Benadryl yeah. generally takes care of the the allergies and um, and it doesn't make me drowsy. But uh, this time of year, I also do nasal steroids.
4: All right, Charles. Okay. Yeah. What's
1: your, what's your other question?
3: Other question. Um, I have had problems with gout through the years, and have have taken tart cherry juice, and I have read that that also has some anti-inflammatory properties. Sure. I didn't know how that compared to like tart cherry
2: juice. Oh yeah, cherry juice. That's actually a good thing. Um, and again, cherries, you can take those in capsules too, but cher- <laughs> cherry juice, um, it's not a miracle or anything, but a lot of people with gout and my practice uh, taught me about this. And uh, cause I, you know, I, I used to be a real big skeptic of mm-hmm. things like this and I'm not anymore. Cherry juice, d- it does have an ability to lower uh, inflammation and in certain people, it'll lower the uric acid. Which is uh, what is deposited in your joints when you have gout. So, um, yeah, I I'm all for it. Tart cherry juice. And,
3: and as far as the juices go, is are there any difference in the ones that you can actually see the some of the pulp at the bottom that you have to shake up versus the ones that are more filtered?
2: I don't know. I'm going to tell you the answer to that is I have no clue. I know that. Um, the stuff that's on the bottom as long as it's real cherry junk that's fine yeah but um now i don't i don't know the answer to that question some people prefer that because it seems more you know n- natural in the sense that it's you know crushed up and you can see some of the crushed up stuff dad
1: used to drink orange juice when he had gout yeah was is it i
2: don't know you don't know okay. i know the cherry I... juice seems to work um do you drink tequila bob
3: uh oh. um, n- 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 not very often.
2: Well, no, no. yeah, I don't blame you. But uh, talk about things in the bottom of the of the jar. Oh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, bad thing. the friend of mine will only have cheap Mexican tequila because it has a worm on the bottom. Yeah, and he yeah. always asked me, "Is it is it good to have a worm on the bottom?" <laughs> and I said, "Yeah, I guess. Oh, sure. Just don't just don't eat the worm."
1: Yeah.
3: Charles? So, so tell
2: you I, what, let's I see. I always uh,
3: wonder if they if they added the worm or if it just found its way.
2: Now, the worm apparently is supposed to make it taste better. I don't know why, <laughs> but I have a bunch of friends who go, um, patients who go back and forth to Mexico, and they all bring me a tequila bottle, which I'm not allowed to take, but it, it just yeah. has the worm in it. Well, the worm. Bob, yeah. I want to tell you what, if, when we round the corner from the break, I'm going to talk about gout and I'm going to talk about the allergies and what i want to know is do you have nasal ones too do you get stuffy is that what it is oh yeah okay yeah, so absolutely. we're going to talk about yeah. the best way to handle because it's coming up man the pine pollen's out yep and i'm gonna talk about how to handle your nasal allergies and i want to talk about gout because that's real important so hang hang in there and we'll go talk about that when we round the corner
1: all right thank you charles get better stay healthy and spot medical misinformation by listening to this radio program uh, 15 million people are losing Medicaid. Soon?
2: Yeah. Soon. United States.
1: And we'll get, we'll get to that uh, before the program's done. Listen to Heart Health Radio, please, here on the radio. And also on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or you can find us at hearthealthradio.com. We're taking your phone calls. we got Art hanging on in just a moment. 919-860-9783. Heart Health Radio.
0: Welcome to Heart Health with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Call us with your health questions at 919-860-9783.
1: This is the Heart Health Radio Network, Art in Raleigh. Welcome to the program. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Good,
6: what's up? Doctor, I, this is sort of a repeat. I missed the first 15 minutes of the show. Don't worry about it. And my wife while, wanted me to talk to you about a possible overview. I have several of the symptoms you were talking about. I have muscle weakness. My memory is, is getting weaker, and I stoop over for about the last year. Yeah. And um, she wanted to get a summation. And also you talked about statins, getting to take statins. So that's basically... Um, you well, got
1: you got muscle weakness, and you got uh, you're you're wondering whether you should be, take a statin. Uh, do you have uh, cholesterol issues? No.
2: Oh, he doesn't. Okay. Have cholesterol. Yeah. Okay. So in terms of taking statins for non-cardiac causes. Oh,
6: my wife says tremor occasionally. He wants me to say tremor.
2: Tremor. She has a tremor. No, he I does. Gotta,
6: I gotta sometimes.
2: Oh, you have and a tremor. Okay, me. so tremor, muscle weakness, and. Remember. Memory, memory loss have, have you been to a, have you been to a doctor about it
6: not really I'm seeing them, actually i have seen my doctor next, yeah. uh, beginning being next week
2: yeah describe your tremor to me is it, is it when you're sitting and resting or is it when you reach for something
6: it's when I reach but a uh, difference my other things is often but me I think it's, it's occasional and just the right hand A oh, really I it to the doctor and she uh, my previous doctor and she didn't think it was a big problem
2: yeah well, you, you've got the triad, okay? The three things going on with muscle weakness, memory loss, and a tremor. I would definitely be evaluated by a neurologist, mm-hmm. okay? Because, I, you know, I'm not examining you, et cetera. I mean, uh, this is something that if we find out what it is quickly, there could be things to arrest the process of going on. And the tremors in Parkinson's, you know, we talked about it, they can be when you're sitting and your hands shake and your fingers are sort of like rolling against each other. It's not necessarily the only type of tremor you can have. And muscle weakness and a tremor, even if it's only of your right hand, linked with memory loss, you need to get evaluated for that because there are several different things that could be, and it, they may be able to intervene and and keep things from progressing. Um, I can't diagnose over the phone, over the radio, um, because I don't. I'm not seeing you. I can't get access to your lab results. But this is definitely a situation where you want to get to an either internal medicine specialist first, or just call up a radiologist. I mean, a radiologist, a neurologist, yeah, and I'm see if you can get an here. appointment.
6: One thing I have set up was a rheumatologist. To-
2: a rheumatologist. Yeah. and and so are you having muscle aches with it, or I mean, I'm sorry, a uh, uh, joint aches with it?
6: Not that often, but yeah, um, I walk stiffly. She says, you know, walk uh, stiffly, and yeah, yeah, so we we set that went up uh, yeah. a couple. Takes a long time to get a rheumatologist.
2: Uh, oh, it it sure does.
6: <laughs> uh, it, uh, it's
2: incredible what's happening now with wait times. Three
6: months ago, actually, in all honesty. Uh, wow. Uh, so I've got that one, but I, I see her Wednesday, my doctor, and I can test okay, about a neurologist. Then.
2: Definitely push it. Um, a lot of um, doctors may be hesitant and say, oh, you know, let's wait and see. But with, with this triad of what you are are talking about, I let's get it evaluated with some tests. I mean, you may need an MRI, you may not. You may need some nerve conduction studies, you know, whatever. I don't know. Yeah. But – it's it, it's something I would definitely push to get looked at.
6: Okay, and then they're the ones that talk about whatever the statin thing is, based on this, or is that something different?
1: Yeah, which doctor would make a decision on the statin?
2: Oh, that would be, uh, you know, a primary care doctor can do that. Okay. Um, and, and, you know, the question of who needs a statin and who doesn't is actually a complex one. Right. Okay. And, you know, we can talk about that. I actually pulled up an article I wanted to mention, but I tell you, we've had... S- so many callers. I want to get to them first. Yeah,
6: that's fine. You've given me uh, what I need to do, and Great. I'll be seeing her and I'll talk to her about it, well, getting her. To play
2: yeah, her. once once you, you start. Pretty good. Yeah, once you get your journey started on getting this diagnosed, call us back and let us know what your experience was mm-hmm. in the medical system, but also what they found out.
6: I sure will. Thanks a lot for all right. your, your help, doctor. Love Thank you,
2: Art. All right, you take care. So we had a fellow talking about the allergies yeah, and gout. Yeah, this is real important, and I wanted to emphasize this. We're heading into the pollen all over your car season, right? Right, right. So the the cars turn green and all that stuff is there. The pine pollen can be the worst. Allergies, and I'm going to talk about the simple ones that affect your nose, it's really important to treat those. Um, I have so many people who say, ah, it's just allergies. I'll suffer through it, and they're tired during mm-hmm. the day. You know why that is? Because they have... Sleep problems, if you can't breathe through your nose, you're never going to get into that deep, deep sleep that refreshes you. Mm-hmm. What do you do about allergies? Okay. These are the important things. Get yourself a nasal saline rinse device, uh, either a neti pot, or you can even buy those little can bottles, you know, that, that Arm & Hammer, you know, saline things. You can squirt that up your nose. Really? I use something called a Neal Med bottle, which I think is fantastic. It's a little plastic squeeze bottle. You heat up distilled water to 30 seconds in a microwave so it's nice and warm, not hot. You put your saline packet in, and then you stick it in your nose, and you start squeezing. Mm. And the saline goes up one part of your sinus cavity and then goes out the other. Then you you sort of alternate. And what is that for? It's to get rid of the allergens that are stuck in your nose. The mucus traps them. And if you're allergic, it's going to keep causing that reaction More mucus will build up. You'll start to sneeze. It'll be stuffed up. So twice a day, if you have bad allergies, twice a day, rinse your nose out with saline. That will get rid of some of the allergens. Now, Mm. what I do and what the caller talked about before was using a steroid nasal spray. Now they think, oh, it's steroids. No, it's just topical. Um, And it's going to prevent the immune cells, and these are mast cells, that's the type, from excreting the... The the um, chemicals that gonna that are gonna cause a lot of mucus and nasal drip. Yes. Now one thing that people don't know about, there's a topical antihistamine that you can get. It's still a prescription. It's called Astelin, and what it does is it puts a Benadryl type compound right onto the nasal cavity. Right. If I didn't use these things, I would be so stuffed up all the time. Right. Now, if you have more than seasonal allergies, there's one important thing that people don't know about. Huh. Your pillow is your enemy, okay? Yes. And I have people, all if they have allergies all the time, allergic-type symptoms, I say, how old is your pillow? Yes. It goes from a year to 12 years, and they don't realize a pillow is so important. Dust mites are the number one cause of allergic things that I see and, and that any doctor yes. sees. Yes. And you got to kill them. They live off the scalp flakes. Okay, It gets in your pillow. The dust mites crawl in there to eat them. Yeah. And you're allergic to them. They're yeah. teeny, weeny, teeny things. How do you get rid of dust mites? You either buy a new pillow every three months, which is what I do. Or there's a process that's not so difficult. Um, you put your pillow in the freezer. Put it in the freezer for three hours. That kills most of the dust mites. Then you put it in your washer on the highest temperature you can possibly right, find right? and use a very gentle soap with it. Now, I have one of those top loaders. Yeah. If I try to put pillows in my top no, loader, it, it goes off balance and stuff like that. Get the dust mites out of your pillows. Even if you only have seasonal allergies, it just means you're allergic to a lot of things. But the pillows are key. Get rid of your pillows or the or. or or wash them and freeze them, et cetera. Right, right, right. But use that saline spray. Get those things out of your nose and then use the the Flonase, which is the steroid spray, and ask your doctor about the Asaline prescription because I couldn't live without all those three things. Right. I just couldn't because my nose would be stuffed all the time.
1: Now, I got a family where I think they have all had... A nasal infection continuously for the last
2: 15 years. Because they have the allergies that cause the mucus to build up. Really? And it traps the flow. That's when you get an infection. The last thing you want to do with seasonal allergies is get an antibiotic. You may feel better for a little bit, but that's not because it cured the infection. It's because most antibiotics are also anti-inflammatory to a certain extent. Some antibiotics are more anti-inflammatory than others Biaxin, oh my gosh it's almost as anti-inflammatory as an antihistamine uh-huh. but the this is the problem that I see if your nose is clear that what's running out of your nose is clear you right. don't need an antibiotic okay you need to rinse that thing out with saline and use a topical steroid and a topical antihistamine I mean I take benadryl at night because that's my antihistamine okay some people really get a benefit. From uh, some of these antihistamines over the counter, if that's okay, take them. Right, because they're generally not harmful. Um, they put me to sleep. They just do. Even right. even right. you know the Claritin puts me to sleep. I don't know why. Um, it's I'm more sensitive to it than others. But this is really important. Get your allergies straightened out because when you have all that mucus in your nose, when it comes to the time to get your deep sleep, you're not going to be able to. You're going to be tired all the time.
1: I will tell you that often enough I take your advice on on the show. Uh-oh. But in this particular case there is almost no chance of me lavaging my nose. Why? It's just not I'm not All right. g- All right. you're Here's what describing we're gonna putting liquid up one nostril and down the other. But it
2: feels so good. It does. Yes. Really. I yes. don't believe you. All right, we're going to take a break. And I'm going to drag him into the men's room, and I'm going to shove some sailing up his schnoz. No. And we're going to come back, and he's going to go. I'll come back
1: and say, oh, no. felt
2: great. Yeah, and thank you, Frank. May I have another? Thank you, Frank. <laughs> thank Seriously. You. Yeah. Do it. Try it. Really? Yes. No. It is, it is wonderful. And uh, you th- won't believe, okay, when you first start, and you do it, and yeah. you blow your nose, Yeah, yeah, and you yeah. won't believe. Oh, it's a good thing. And then what comes out. And yeah. after a week. Oh, I know what comes out, yes. After a week, it's going to be just the saline. Maybe a little tiny bit okay. of mucus. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It clears it all out. Greatest thing since sliced bread. The,
1: the closest I've ever come to what you're talking about is the little teeny tiny bottles of saline. Yeah. If I really have a cold, it's just terrible. Yeah. I'll just little little spray, little uh, spritz uh, and then blowing up. There's it. no chance yes, I'm going to do How many gallons uh, of water are you sending up through your hair? No, head?
2: it's like like 6 ounces.
1: 6 ounces. Yeah.
2: That's it's a little many. squeeze bottle and once you've got it all prepared, it has a nice little opening that fits right in your nose and when you squeeze it, it's that warm sensation coming through your nose. Does the warm sensation
1: the really go to the top of your forehead? Yeah,
2: right. You know why? Cuz that's where the sinuses I are. I didn't know that. You have sinuses above your eyebrows? Yeah. You have them below your eyes? You have them right next to your nose and they're all interconnected. Yeah. And when that warm saline goes up there and then starts to flow out, yes. It feels so good.
1: It there feels is, so good. There is still no chance I'm going to brush do your
2: teeth every day, right? I do brush my teeth. Yes brush wash out your sinuses it's just as important this in is fact, there's more room in your sinuses than there is in your mouth it's true okay and they're full of if you especially if you have allergies they're full of mucus and then the pus builds up oh then, oh oh yeah come on. it's really important really important we are we
1: are faced with a situation on this radio show where we have one fellow who will just talk about anything and another fellow who just considers some things icky. Ugh. Icky. Ugh. And if it's icky, I don't want to talk about it. Here's the number. nine one nine eight six zero nine seven eight three. This is... Well, oh, that's got to take you right back. Oh, I'll tell you what, I Mickey love, Mouse Club
2: theme. And there's so many famous people now who started on Disney, right? Like uh, Britney Spears and Justin and Timberlake. People. Yeah, they were there together. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing.
1: Okay, so we're playing this because Disney has had to close their Chinese Disneyland or Disney,
2: whatever what it they is. call it. Yeah, Shanghai Disneyland. Oh my gosh, it's it's incredible and how is nice it, really? it is yeah, yeah. And, and so uh, they have had 2,000 cases in Shanghai and they're closing Disneyland and this goes to show you the difference between what we did and what they did in in China and right. other places called zero tolerance and zero cases and so what do we have we shut down the entire country right? Um, and, or the city and we make everybody you know hide out and does it really help And I think the thing that you need to understand is that when you have a zero-tolerance policy, you don't develop natural immunity. Okay? You just don't. Yes. Because you're not getting millions of people exposed with subclinical or minor clinical infections, which renders the population as a whole – So closing Disneyland is one of the big things that they're saying is that you're going to zero tolerance policy. You're going to go hide out. We're going to shut everything down and hopefully nobody will get it. But as we saw with Omicron, it is impossible to stop transmission. We were masked up. We were doing all those sorts of things. But now I think, and I I may be wrong, we're going to see with the next outbreak. I think we're going to have more and more situations with new variants that don't bother us as much. Right. Whereas I think you're gonna see in other countries that had these mass lockdowns, even more than we did with a zero tolerance policy, you're gonna see them getting hit again and again and again because they don't have natural immunity. They don't have a a, a herd immunity situation.
1: To make it clear, they in china right now are not discovering a new brand of covid that makes you sicker
2: this is omicron
1: this is omicron the thing that
2: i had and didn't know i had zero policy zero tolerance policy for omicron too and i think that it's just not going to work and i don't think it will work and i think if Fauci and his cronies try to close us down with the next variant that comes through, it's just not going to work. Right. Uh, first of all, America won't, won't tolerate it. No. It just won't happen right. here. But uh, I think that's a key thing, that closing Disneyland, as and it's a representative, I think, of the wrong tack to take. Vaccinate as many people who will allow themselves to be vaccinated, isolate the ones who are at risk, the elderly, the infirm, um, mm-hmm. and let everybody else live their life. 15 million people are losing Medicaid. Yeah, it's very scary. Um, I was not a huge Medicaid fan, expansion of Medicaid fan, because um, I didn't know if it was going to work. Uh, right. I know Rose Hoban, um, who I uh, dearly love, was on the opposite side and, and a big uh, um, uh, advocate for expanding Medicaid to get uh, higher levels of insurance. Right. I have now come toward uh, what Rose is saying. I've seen so many people now getting into the healthcare system through the expanded Medicaid that they're, we're really making a big difference. Um, I'm, I've seen a lot of sick people who were not getting care for their diabetes, their high blood pressure. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I've been able to make an impact. Now only 75% of physicians will take Medicaid because they believe that the reimbursements are lower, and I can tell you right now, for a lot of things, Medicaid is paying me more than Medicare. Um, so I, I'm worried that with this expansion of Medicaid that happened because of COVID, uh, and 15 more, a million more people got Medicaid. Now that program's coming to an end, and so we have. I have said this before: the American medical system is the best in the world, right. and we deliver the best health care there's one thing that's not great and that's access to the system it's and also it's just way too expensive I right. mean I mean it's just ridiculous how expensive things are have you been to the emergency room have you had to go to the emergency yes room? when was the last time
1: this was uh, earlier in the year when I rolled over the rolled over my knee with the with okay the-
2: what was the bill? Uh, Did you ever get your explanation? I of benefits? know
1: I got. I've got a pay Well, you know, it, it was after my surgery, right. so I was in that wonderful grace period where I'd spent so much money oh, okay. that everything was but free. I, but what was? But I think cost it was about five
2: hundred. For you, you had to pay.
1: I think so. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So that means probably it was five thousand dollars. Your insurance going to be paid. yeah. It's ridiculous. Yep. I mean, but but when you think about it. Um, all the rules and regulations that they've had for an emergency room right. visit. So you have to have this person, you have to have that person, you have to have three other people to monitor those other people, right? So I had, I do stupid things that cardi- not stupid. I do things that cardiologists think are stupid. Okay? okay, what do you do? So if if somebody comes in and has a cut, uh huh, I'll sew it up. Oh my! Yeah, because I learned how to do that in an emergency room. I'll get two hundred bucks for that. It's not that I'm doing it for the money; it's kind of fun, actually. You know, <laughs> if, if they went to an emergency room, yes, twenty five hundred yes. to three thousand dollars. So this is the problem: is that we have crazy costs, right? <coughs> Excuse me, and then we don't have access to care for everybody. So right. Those are the two things I like to see different.
1: Right. I have to tell you that we've talked on this uh, program about the one time I took my mother-in-law to the emergency room and I had an opportunity to stand in the corner. And because, you know, I I had my back to her exam room, you know, they're doing stuff and I'm looking at the, just the, the computer program computers and in the work area. I'm like, there are 15 people sitting in front of computers right now. Not that they're not doing
2: important work. I'm sure they are. They're doing work that's required by law now. Right. But they're documenting. It's crazy documentation. Yeah. Somebody should look at what is in a medical record. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I got, I master review people's medical records all the time. Right, And it's just, incredible detailed information that's meaningless right? to care. You okay. know, totally meaningless. And uh, I don't know if it's going to get worse, um, but I know when it started, January 1st, 2010, Yeah, when the Affordable Care Act kicked in. And it's because Obama said, we're going to be able to give people insurance because we're going to take it away from doctors who are ripping off the system by not doing what they say they're doing right now you have to doc. you imagine if you went to a auto mechanic right and <coughs> there was a law that he had to document everything he did yeah okay so i <coughs> put the um the wrench on the spark plug yeah you have to write that down then i turned it three quarters of a, a, a centimeter right
1: write right that down. you 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 clean the muffler bearings right
2: Right, uh, whatever they are, but I, I mean it's ridiculous, and and you know the sad thing about what doctors do now for documentation, right, is that they spend almost as much time on documentation as they do in direct patient care mm-hmm. and face to face visits, and a lot of time those face to face visits are taken up by tapping on the computer because right. you've got to get the documentation done, right, and you know nobody reads it, nobody, right. Nobody reads it. I mean, I will send something to a physician giving them quote unquote cardiology clearance for this surgery. Yeah. Then I have to say certain things. The patient is cleared from a cardiovascular point of view with a low risk of cardiovascular complication. They hold on. And then I get a call saying, <laughs> We never got your clearance. <clears throat> and I say, What do you mean? Well, there's a piece of paper where you have to check, 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 check. And I say, well, I sent you a note that was really detailed and said, the patient's cleared. (laughs) We don't read those notes. No, no, no. We We don't read that. We just put them in saying we got it. And I'll say, why? Because it's too much. It's seven pages. Who's going to read seven pages? Just give me that that front sheet that checks everything off. (laughs) Okay. Whatever. Whatever you say. But I have to have that note. If Blue Cross Blue Shield or Medicare had audited me, they would have somebody, you know, who's not a doctor, who's not a nurse, right, who was trained to look only to look at the note and see if there are the four components of this billing code that allows me to get my 90 bucks. Right. It's just insane.
1: There is a, a we have about a minute okay to talk about the fact that people are having problems with heart attacks
2: because of the financial stress involved yeah, and and I we're going to get a financial advisor on this program okay. because one of the things that I've always talked about is stress and I'm not talking about simple stress I'm talking about you're 6 weeks out of work because yeah. you've had a heart attack the yep. doctors and nurses and technicians did a great job you got the stent in you're on your medications you know but you can't go back to work right away for myriad reasons right and you don't have your money coming in. Right. And your bills don't stop. Um, and so those individuals who go through that and and have that kind of financial stress have a higher risk of another heart attack than those that don't. And so I'm gonna approach medical care from a complex point of view. Okay. And part of that is making sure you have enough money to survive your heart attack.
1: And this is Heart Health Radio. Have a great week. Heart Health
0: Radio is for information purposes only. Before taking any action, consult your doctor.